about entertainment, sports, music, and inspirational stories for all to enjoy. We're glad that you could join us today. Please sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Now, here is your host, Albert Pineda. Welcome, everybody, to the Casting for Fun podcast, and happy Thanksgiving to everyone listening. Uh, I'm really grateful to have you uh, listening to my podcast, that I have a chance to record podcasting, and this is the 50th episode of the show, so I'm really happy about that. This has been exciting and fun for me. So thank you for listening, whether it's one episode or all 50. Thank you for the support. It's been really great for me. Uh, tonight, I have a really uh, great opportunity to speak with Shelly and James Strong, who are really great, awesome people, uh, friends of mine. And um, we get to share about Shelly's experience surviving breast cancer. And we get to share about some of the fun things that they've done as a couple and how they were able to get through everything that they dealt with. It's been, it's a really fun, awesome conversation. And it's a time to reflect on what we're grateful for and thankful for, which we obviously do at this time of year. So here we go. This is my conversation with James and Shelly Strong. Joining me tonight on the Casting for Fun podcast are two really special guests, uh, good friends who also were previously neighbors of mine, which is really cool. Shelly and James Strong. Shelly, James, how are you both? Good, good. Thanks for having us here. Oh, thank you so much for coming on the the show. And it's it's a few days early, but happy Thanksgiving to both of you. Yeah, you as well, man. I hope it's a good week for you. Uh, thanks. Yeah, it should be should be fun. We're actually going to be heading to uh, your neck of the woods. My my parents live in uh, Santan Valley, so we're going to be driving up to visit them. Well, very nice. Yeah, I love the weather out here. It's really good. Very cool. Very cool. So I'm very excited to get to talk with you both uh, about numerous topics. But I think uh, particularly at this time of year, Thanksgiving, when we can reflect on what we're thankful for, uh, I think the two of you have a lot to be thankful for. And I'm I'm really fascinated to hear more about uh, your experience, Shelly. I got to listen to the the, uh, Be Beyond Limits podcast that you interview you did. It was an excellent interview. I was really, really inspired and touched by the things you had to say. So whatever you feel comfortable sharing, uh, I'd love for my listeners to have a chance to just share in your experience as well. And then, of course, talk about fun things, too. We tend to kind of do more interesting (laughs) stuff on my podcast. So, Yeah, for sure. Um, And thank you for that. So Be Beyond Limits was a great experience because the podcaster herself, Brandy, is also a cancer survivor. So it was like a cancer survivor interviewing a cancer survivor. Yeah. Um, so we got a lot to talk about and relate to. Um, but yeah, I was diagnosed with stage two triple negative breast cancer in August of 2019. Um, crazy times because I thought of myself to be in perfect health. I used to do bodybuilding competitions. I ran a Ragnar races. Um, and then to just be diagnosed with that before the age of 30 was pretty wild to me. Um, so I had found the lump myself went to the doctor and they pretty much said we don't really believe you (laughs) like you look perfectly healthy you don't have any family history um and so they kind of just sent me home and that was pretty much the end of it um but I just remember having this nagging feeling saying you know my body just saying something's wrong and to keep pushing for answers and that's basically what the voice in my head said was just 
keep trying, keep pushing. Um, two months later, I kept fighting for a referral for surgery and biopsy. Um, neither one was offered to me, so I had to go through two other doctors to get that done. Um, and eventually in mid-August, I had that done. And uh, they said, we'll call you a week later and we'll let you know the results. But even then the surgeon said, you know, you don't have anything to worry about. You're under the age of 30, it'll be fine. Uh, and then 72 hours later, that call comes through and she says, Mrs. Strong, I'm so sorry. Um, your gut feeling was right. It is cancer, um, grade three tumor, which is the most aggressive type. And you have to come back in uh, basically two days later for a second surgery. And so everything just kind of went through there, but I was very lucky that it did not spread anywhere else. Um, I had a second surgery and six lymph nodes removed. All of them tested negative, so we got clean margins. And I did chemo, uh, 16 rounds of chemo, 20 rounds of radiation, probably about 35 rounds of uh, self-injections with your wife, Allison, helped mm -hmm. me with. Um, so I'm very grateful for that. And yeah, got, got it caught early. And here I am now, two and a half years later, still in remission and yeah, happy living life, having adventures like, again with James. And so life is good right now. Awesome. That's really inspiring and great to hear. Uh, do you happen to know what the statistic is like for, for people under 30 that, that get cancer? I was just curious about that now as you were talking. Under 30, no, but for breast cancer in particular, it's one in eight women will be diagnosed with breast cancer in their lifetime. Oh, really? Oh, that's, that's really high. Wow. Yeah, it is really high. Oh um, and then once I got more into it, I learned about all the different types. Some of them respond to hormones that you'll have as a woman and some of them don't, which is what mine was. Um, that's why it's called triple negative. So it did not respond to progesterone, progesterone estrogen, or HER2 receptor. Um, so my triple negative, which makes it harder to treat, they typically have a worse prognosis than the other ones because there's no targeted therapy for it afterwards. Um, with some of the more hormone-based breast cancers, you can take a pill afterwards that blocks your hormone receptors and gives you a better chance. But since triple negative doesn't feed off of any of those, they kind of just throw a bunch of chemo and radiation at you. And then you just kind of hope for the best that it doesn't come back. So, um, for mine, the goal is to get to five years in remission. And then at that point I will be considered cured. So we're halfway awesome. there. Yeah. Awesome. Very cool. Well, we're obviously going to continue to pray for you guys and hope for the best that things will continue to go well for you. Yeah. Awesome. Thank, Thank you. you. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, so during the, the whole ordeal, uh, you, you mentioned Allison, my wife, getting to help and assist you. And you got to share a little bit about it on uh, the, the, the BB on Limits podcast. But mm -hmm. I was curious if you can touch a little bit more of those who were there to help you during the whole time. Obviously, I'm sure James was a huge inspiration for you. But uh, how important was your support team, your support group for you? Uh, support is so important. Um, I actually wrote a little bit about this because once I got diagnosed, I wanted to share my story with other women who maybe don't feel as comfortable self-advocating and pushing for more answers, um, especially in the medical field. You know, they look at you and that you look completely healthy. And we have those illnesses that are called kind of like invisible illness, right? Just because you look a certain way on the outside, people don't take you as seriously. Um, and so I wrote a chapter on my Instagram um, called It Takes a Village. And in that one, I just talk about how you need to find your people who are really going to be there for you. You'll find your friends who are going to be there for you, no matter what. 
um, a lot of people's true colors will, will come out, but it's a very lonely journey. Um, I was immunocompromised. I had to fight this in the middle of COVID. Um, so not only was I just completely alone because I, I couldn't be around a lot of people, but people couldn't even really visit. Um, I, towards the end of my treatment, it was very limited to how many people could come with me to the chemo room and just sit with me. My transfusions were about five to six hours. Uh -huh. So it was a lot of time for me to just be alone. Um, so having people to just check up on you through FaceTime, text, um, say that we're praying for you and sending an inspirational message, you, you don't know how much that means to someone that's battling this and who has no choice but to be separated from the world because we don't have an immune system. So, and then Allison was just great coming over. I had huge fear of needles, <laughs> um, could not self-inject myself. And I really needed it because chemo wipes out everything that is healthy as well as the malignant cells. And so I had to, after every round of chemo, I had to have five injections into my lower abdomen. So the five days after around the same time, and that basically stimulates your big bones in your body to produce more white cells. That way, in case you do come into contact with some bacteria, you have some kind of immune system there. Um, so I'm just so grateful that she was there and I was able to have some kind of immune system through, you know, the Zoladex shots, that's what they were called. Um, <laughs> other than if I didn't have that and didn't have an immune system, like, I don't know if I would have made it as far because I did get sick. There was one time I got hospitalized with um, neutropenic fever um, and almost became septic. So those shots were very, very important. Oh, okay. Awesome. I'm, I'm glad Ab Allison was able to assist you with that. And that again, you had your support team. Uh, James, I wanted to ask you, uh, obviously Shelly is the most important uh, part of this whole scenario, but, <laughs> but, but you played your part as well. So what was the scenario like for you when, when you found out that she was diagnosed and then, uh, basically what, what happened, what was it from your point of view? How did everything play out? Well, it's really hard, quite honestly, because, you know, I'm, I'm not a doctor, so I felt a lot in a lot of ways really helpless. Um, basically, all I could really do is just try to make her as comfortable as possible and be there, you know, to be that shoulder for her to lean on. Mm -hmm. um, but other than that, you know, uh, a lot of the times I, I wished I could do more. Uh, I wish I could, you know, just be that doctor and be your care. But I, it, it's really lonely in a lot of ways. Uh, because you have this, this great desire to help and you can't, you really mm -hmm. can't, uh, other than, you know, just being a, being a driver. Yeah. I, I was more <laughs> of a chauffeur than anything mm -hmm. is what it came down to. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really tough, quite honestly. Uh, I wish there was more to say, but that's, that's really mm -hmm. it. Yeah. But I think you were really good in those moments where I was really down and I couldn't, see the light. And one moment that came to mind is I was almost done with treatment. I had to do 16 rounds total, which was a long time. So over the course, it took me five and a half months to kind of endure and go through that. Um, but I was just so tired and my bones ached because they were constantly being stimulated by those shots to make more white blood cells. I was anemic. My hemoglobin was really, really low and lightheaded. And I told him, I was like, I just want to give up. Like, I'm so exhausted. I'm tired of feeling tired. I'm tired of feeling sick and nauseous. And I told him, I almost have no hope. 
Um, and then he looked at me and he said, well, I'll have enough hope for both of us then. Mm-hmm. And that meant so much to me that I could have these vulnerable moments and just kind of let go and cry and he would be there to pick me up. And that really helped you to just, like you talked about support system, to, ha- to know I have someone I could talk to you and share even my, my darkest thoughts, like, hey, I want to give up, but then they don't judge you for it. They just let yeah. you speak what's on your mind. And sometimes that's all you need. Yeah, there's a lot of little things too, you know, uh, because we were so closed off during the COVID times, uh, what we would do is we would just drive around and look at Christmas lights, quite honestly, like just mm-hmm. to get Shelly out of the house, show her that there still is an outside world. Uh, other than other than our little apartment that we were stuck in mm-hmm. uh, for that time but it's just those little things that I think added up over time yeah Christmas lights was definitely my favorite thing because I love the holidays and so knowing I had to go through treatment I started my first treatment mid-September um, by the time they had put my treatment plan together and I was like man I have to go through my favorite holidays like I love Halloween I, ha- I love Thanksgiving I love Christmas and I have to go through this not, not completely because James is there, but I won't be able to see my family or I won't be able to go to pumpkin patches and be around people because I won't have an immune system. So little things like, hey, let's just, let's go grab you a hot chocolate and let's go drive around the neighborhood and look at lights and sing songs. Like all those little moments in between those little wins is also what helped me keep going. Oh, awesome. Sounds really, really great. I'm, I'm glad that you have a great husband in James to help you. And I'm sure obviously he has a great wife in you. So um, again, I'm grateful just to hear that, that you're doing better. Uh, going back to, to COVID though. So we as a society, obviously we had to learn how to live in lockdown. Uh, what what it, <laughs> that type of life would be like. And for a lot of us, I mean, probably staying home, watching movies and TV shows was kind of like giving us like some type of like glimmer of hope or inspiration, whether it's like, you know, something inspiring or something like silly and funny, just fun to watch. And I know you're, you're a fan of the NBC sitcom Friends, and I was excited to hear that you're also fans of Parks and Recreation, which is really cool. So yeah. what were things like that, like even you know, movies, TV shows, anything that you got to watch during this whole uh, ordeal of going through uh, uh, your, your chemo that would help you and inspire you or just make you laugh? Yeah, I watched so much TV. It is ridiculous the amount of TV I watched, um, but that was kind of like the only thing I had energy for. Um, Friends for sure. Um, and Allison and I bonded over that, especially the episode with Pivot. And I still have the, the Pivot t-shirt that she got me. Um, so that's great. I smile at it every time I wear it. Um, so I love Friends. I love Gilmore Girls. Watch that all the way through. Um Shit's Creek did not think I was gonna like it, but I loved it. <laughs> I, I've heard that's kind of funny. I've never seen it myself, but yeah, that's oh, really a great good. show. Yeah, okay. Parks and Rec. Um, also Amy Poehler lover. Wish I could be friends with her in real life. <laughs> Amy, if you're watching this one day, like <laughs> with <your> friends. <laughs> um, but I think I really resonated with that one because I, I feel for Leslie's character in Parks and Rec because she's this girl trying to make change, going up against like the boys' club. Mm-hmm. And I've always worked in kind of male dominated like industries where I'm trying to take down the boys club or like <laughs> trying to be invited to the boys club. Um, so I love that show and all the characters are great too. All their dynamics with Ron and Tom and everything. And, and it's so great. Um, and then Disney, we watched yeah, a lot of, a Disney, lot of movies. Disney movies. I was hooked on YouTube videos of Disney parades and Disney rides because I couldn't go to Disneyland. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I would sit on the couch and I would watch 
I would pretend I was in the haunted mansion because people would upload their videos of, you know, 4k view of the haunted mansion because Disneyland was also closed too. Yeah. Um, I would watch a lot of point of view rides, a lot of Disney movies. I would watch parades on YouTube. So that also helped me a lot. It gave me things to look forward to. Um, I also started thinking about travel Um, towards the end of treatment. I started making a vision board of what I wanted my life to look like after treatment. And that also gave me some more hope. And Paris was that thing on my vision board. Um, It was getting a house. um, It was buying a new car and it was traveling. And so we eventually just got to go to Paris a couple of weeks ago. So that was great to kind of see that into fruition, something I I thought about three years ago, you know, finally coming to life. Oh, very cool. Yeah, I definitely want to touch more on on Paris and your trip to, uh, was it other locations in Europe as well? Was it just Paris? I wish. (laughs) Originally, um, so when I was going through chemo treatment, originally James and I said, we're going to take two weeks off and we're going to do one week in London and one week in Paris. Mm-hmm. And then in March of 2020, I think I was on dose, maybe number 10 of chemo. That's when the world shut down. And I was like, man, just when I felt ready to rejoin the world, the world joined me in isolation. So that really sucked. <laughs> <laughs> so then um, this year, we it was our sixth wedding anniversary. Um, and so we decided, you know, let's, let's go big. We've been planning this kind of mentally in our heads for about three years now, and let's celebrate still being in remission and six years of being married and overcoming everything. Oh, very good. Very good. So, uh, when you get to Paris, I mean, what was your first impressions? Like, I guess getting off a plane or can you see a lot of the sights from the plane, like the Eiffel tower or anything like that? Uh, coming in from, uh, the airport, the airport's kind of outside of the city. So oh, okay. to, I think it was like a 40 minute drive or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we couldn't really see much. Uh, we were kind of off the beaten path. Mm-hmm. Um, but once we got like onto downtown, it just opens up to a sea of people. Uh, there's plenty of shopping. Uh, we were right down the street from the Arc de Triomphe, mm-hmm. which, uh, astounding feature to look at and then just beyond that was the Eiffel Tower um, the cityscape is gorgeous unlike anything I've ever seen before it, it truly is what everybody makes it out to be oh awesome that's good it's good to hear uh, what was your favorite thing to eat like or what kind of like food did you do did you do like authentic like French cuisine or uh, you know sometimes when I travel people kind of tease me because I always tend to just get something American <laughs> So what was it like for you guys for the the food and cuisine? Uh, Well, I tried to be adventurous and try some authentic French cuisine. Uh, I tried, what was it? Beef pate or whatever it was. Oh, the tartare. Beef tartare. Okay. It was not, it was not for me. (laughs) We, we honestly ate a lot of Italian food while we were there. Yeah. James was braver than I was. I stuck to a lot of pasta. Yeah. Uh, but the food there was phenomenal. We ate at some really nice restaurants. Great atmosphere, uh, really good food, even better people. It was a it was a wonderful experience. Oh, awesome, awesome! And how about like cultural sites, like anything like that that you got to see that you wanted to, to share or discuss? Uh, Versailles would probably be the top one, I would imagine. Yeah, the Palace of Versailles is just so grand and beautiful and the history behind it we had an amazing tour guide that took us through the entire palace um my favorite room was the hall of mirrors so there's just these 
glass chandeliers. And one thing that she explained to before we go in, she said, okay, guys, when we go in, I want you to know everything is real gold. <laughs> it is real 24 leaf gold. And I said, no. Um, and so we go in there and yep, everything is gold, yellow gold and very luxurious. And she went through the whole history of King Louis the 14th and how he was the sun king and how everything was, you know, architecturally was built around the sun. So his bedroom was in the center of the entire palace because he sees himself as the sun and um, little architectural details to like sunflowers, everything dealing with sun and, and sunlight and nature. Um, and it was just really beautiful to see, you know, the architecture style of the, the days and the history. And I think it was the first time I also thought about how architecture speaks politically because she was talking about how neoclassical was the design for the royals back in the day. And they did that because it was a very strong feature. It's a lot of sharp lines, it's very dominant and how they tried to move over to Rococo style, but that's too, it's too delicate. It wasn't good enough for the monarchy to kind of really set their stand. And I was like, oh, I never really, you know, thought about these things of how the outside of your palace or of your home could really send a political message. So that was really interesting. Um, and then we got to tour the, the grounds, the, the garden grounds. Um, our tour also came with a lunch that was really good. So we had really good steak and salmon um, and dessert. And then as an extra bonus, she, she drove us to Marie Antoinette's apartments. And oh, so awesome. we got to see where Marie Antoinette lived mm -hmm. and the hamlet that she designed. So it's all on the same grounds too. Yeah. And it was massive. Yeah. To, <laughs> I can't even begin to say just how grand everything was mm -hmm. because we had been, I've been to palace before in Spain and this one by far blew it out of the water. Oh wow! Uh, just in terms, just in terms of sheer size and detail, and then the grounds are so big, and Marie Antoinette's palace is on the grounds that it sits, it, and then she's got her own personal grounds on top of that. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, something she did that was really interesting is that she built her own little village on her property, and so like it's got like a lakefront with little houses and cottages that people could live in because she just wanted to feel connected to the city in some way uh, without actually having to go to the city, which was <laughs> a, yeah. a little weird. But I mean, you got to remember, she was only 16 at the time and she's making all these kind of demands. So, <laughs> what, you know, whatever 16 months can dream up, uh, they, get, they get to have. Yeah. And it was very <laughs> fairy tale also. So it's called the Queen's Hamlet. And so, like James said, there's this lakefront and about 10 to 12 different homes and they each have their own kind of cottage style. They each have their own garden. Um, there was a lighthouse and then she had a farm also with animals. So there was, uh, what was it? Rabbits, chickens, goats, goats horses, <laughs> horses. And I felt like I was transported into Snow White because you <laughs> see all these little cottages and there's animals everywhere and it's this beautiful countryside. And then there's a palace in the distance so it was very fairy tale oh awesome that sounds really cool and uh and speaking of like you know palaces and fairy tale and snow white uh did you guys also get to visit disneyland paris while you were there we did we did yeah. oh yes. awesome awesome i i always love hearing about how the the subtle differences and sometimes the major differences between the parks so comparing that to disneyland here in anaheim california uh what did you like or maybe you miss from anaheim or just your experience in visiting visiting uh disneyland paris uh the castle in disneyland paris is 
by far the best one I think that I've it's, seen it's because we've been to Disney World as well. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, um, awesome. The one in Paris is spectacular looking. Yeah. <laughs> it puts the one in Anaheim to shame, oh. <laughs> honestly. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, it's pretty epic. They incorporate also hills into the castle, which we don't see at any of the other parks, at least uh, Florida or in Anaheim. But you could also go underneath the castle. And so there's a dragon underneath the castle, which is a really cool feature. And oh, there's cool. all kinds of fog and, it, you know, it, it's pretending to smoke and glare at you. Um, and then you can exit. It'll go into a gift shop. And then you can continue walking up into the castle on the higher parts of the tower. Um, and it tells the whole story of Sleeping Beauty, but through beautiful tapestries and stained glass. Like this artwork was just phenomenal. So beautiful and co- colorful and, yeah, just really grand. So that was really magical to see. Um, other than that, for things that I missed, I missed the churros. There are no churros oh, no. <laughs> in, in Disney Paris. Um, you have crepe carts instead. So you can oh, okay. get a Nutella crepe around every single corner. Um, there was also, oh, Indiana Jones. Which Indiana is, Jones was a bit of a miss. Yeah. There. Oh, really? Oh. <laughs> um, there was nothing Indiana Jones about it. <laughs> uh, it was maybe a 30-second roller coaster with a loop in it and that was it there was no oh. sighting of indiana jones no boulder oh. <laughs> it was all outside they really missed was, the mark with that it one. was just an outdoor coaster yeah and that was pretty much it <laughs> and it. i was waiting for the jeep and you know get tossed around <laughs> the jeep yeah. a bit. but no there was none of that um pirates was very similar okay. there's just the falls are just at different points where you go down in the boat mm-hmm. um and a couple of things are out of order it also felt a little bit longer Felt a little bit longer, yeah. yeah. Uh, probably the biggest difference would be the Haunted Mansion ride. Yeah. It's not called the Haunted Mansion there. It's called the um, Phantom Manor. Mm, um, okay. And it plays out just a little bit differently. So the one in Anaheim, you'll recall, the woman is the one killing off uh, all her husbands. Oh, he is the same one? Mm-hmm. No, never mind. They, I mean, it's a, there's no emphasis on the bride as much. It's yeah. very American Western which mm-hmm. threw me off because we're in France uh-huh. and then you go inside the haunted mansion and it's a bunch of saloons and cowboys and you know, skeletons. skeletons of cowboys. It's and, a lot creepier. Yeah. I would say it's a lot more dark. <laughs> <laughs> I was not expecting it. Yeah. Um, there was a skeleton dog that was on my side on the right side that kind of jumped off and it looked mangy and, you know, had some skin falling off and I was like, oh, okay, that's a little, <laughs> a little dark for Disney yeah. <laughs> to, to jump out at you on the side. And there were skeletons playing in the saloon, playing cards and gambling. And I was like, feel like that right that version should be in california because it's west coast but yeah i mean it was still fun it was still a great time yeah no complaints quite honestly it was really awesome yeah and Uh, then they still have your traditional peter pan snow white and pinocchio rides in Fantasyland. oh okay awesome very cool very cool yeah it sounds really really fun uh the way you guys describe Paris just sounds wonderful. Allison's been before and she really wants to go. So sometime in our lives, I think we'll go. Maybe um, our, our 10th anniversary is coming up in a few years. So we'll see, but <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Uh, was there anything else about your trip to Paris that you wanted to share or maybe a, another uh, uh, great destination you got to see together as a couple? Yeah, we did the catacombs there. And I think that would be okay. a noteworthy thing, touristy thing to do if you're going to mm-hmm. go. Um, I th- honestly thought I was going to be really claustrophobic. 
because mm -hmm. it's 60 feet underground. Um, but it honestly felt more like a museum. I think it's because you don't see yourself going down. You're just walking down this column of stairs and then you're suddenly in it. Yeah, and then there's darkness. <laughs> and then there's just a bunch of darkness. And then once you get into it, and because I think it's also so grand, your mind can't comprehend that it, what you're seeing is real because it's literally- It's just bones. It's just bones. Millions of bones. Millions and millions and millions of bones everywhere. Yeah. Oh, wow. that that's actually real is, is yeah. really hard to comprehend. <laughs> it was. I felt the same way. I thought I was going to be more creeped out. And I did have a little bit of anxiety yeah. before because I was like, okay, we're going 60 feet underground. It's going to be cold. They do tell you that it's going to be cold and to layer mm -hmm. up because you are so far underground and it was the fall time. Um, and then she also, she probably shouldn't have said this, but she said the air is also thinner down there. And I said, oh, okay. <laughs> and that, and that, people, layer have, and that. that people have died down and there. And that people have died <laughs> down there because walls have collapsed in. And I was like, well, I've already almost died once. So <laughs> let's just go for it. Um, but uh -huh. another great tour guide, um, her name was Leo and she called herself, what was it? A cata catacomb fan or something like that. Super fan. Um, she had a word for it something file cataphile i think it was or i don't know <laughs> yeah so she's a super fan of the catacombs but yeah you you can't really wrap your head around what you're looking at and just the history of france at the time and the three revolutions they had and how many people you know died from different causes um is pretty amazing they do landmark every area of where the bones came from um, because what they did is they basically emptied out all these graveyards and put them into the, the quarry that is the catacombs. So you'll go a couple of feet and it'll say, you know, these, these remains are from St. Anthony's or something. Mm -hmm. um, and then you'll go down another hallway um, that it'll turn into. And then it's a different graveyard that they're pulled from. So everything's marked as best as they can. Um, and it's just, it's so much like the walls go in maybe in eight to 10 feet, she had told us. And it's just bones all, all lined up, some of them with cement, some of them are just stacked and they've stayed that way. Um, so it's kind of surreal of what you're looking at, that these are human remains. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> that, that sounds, yeah, re really creepy, but also really yeah. fast. <laughs> so it was close to Halloween, so we figured yeah. we'd do it. <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was on it, like, honestly, if you have the chance to see it, I would recommend it. It's really oh, yeah, that's, that it's definitely really sounds like a, a spot that we'll definitely hit it up when we eventually make it to Paris. <laughs> yeah, you'll get there. Uh, okay, yeah. <laughs> uh, I wanted to go back to uh, one more topic about like inspiration that when we are facing difficult trying times, like, you know, having to go through chemo like you did, Shelly, uh, the impact that music can have on us. So I know James and I have a lot of uh, favorite bands that it should be sharing common, like The Cure and Silver Sun Pickups. And congratulations to you, Shelly, on beating Ticketmaster and actually getting Taylor Swift tickets. That's actually <laughs> yes. pretty uh, exciting for you. <laughs> yes. So uh, I wanted to ask you, what was, like, I guess, like the inspiration for music, similar to movies and TV shows? Like, if we could just hear a song that could kind of inspire us or help us during, like, those times? Oh, my gosh. My mom had sent me one, and I can't remember the name of the artist right now, but I think it's called Head Above Water. And um, I'll have to look up the lyrics, but essentially she, you know, she's asking God, like, please help me get through it. Help me keep my head above water. Is that what it is? Yeah. Um, but, you know, cause I, I did feel that way at times. Like I felt like I was drowning, um, but I did have miraculous moments at times, you know, just the fact in itself that 
I found this lump by myself and I was right. <laughs> and I had, you know, that gut intuition, that spirit telling me to keep fighting um, that I consider a miracle. Um, when I got hospitalized with neutropenic fever and they told me I would need a blood transfusion, I was going to need two units. I was really scared and I sat there in my bed and because it was COVID, um, I didn't really, I couldn't really have visitors because I couldn't be exposed to any more bacteria or anything else from the outside world. So a lot of that, um, eventually once I had the transfusions, I could have visitors, but before when I was making the decision of the blood and they said, Hey, you need this, you're not getting better. I was really scared to receive another stranger's blood. And I said a prayer and that voice came back and they said, but my prayer was, how can I trust like this blood source came from someone who took care of themselves just mm -hmm. because I'm very much aware of what I put into my body. Um, and I said, how can I trust the source where this came from? And as, as I sat there by myself in my room praying, this voice came to me and it said, well, trust me, kind of like I have it all taken care of. And I got the two units of blood, felt amazing, was not lightheaded anymore when I stood up. Um, my anemia was pretty much gone. And that was the second time I got hospitalized, but it was also the last time. And I was able to endure the rest of my treatment going forward without any breaks. Um, so that was that I consider a miracle. I felt like maybe that's what I needed to get through my last leg. Um, there were times where I was thinking of someone and they would randomly text me. Um, so that song, uh, again, I'll have to look up the artist, but I think it's called Head Above Water. That one I listened to a lot. I listened to a lot of empowering music of just getting through stuff. Um, one that you probably won't think is inspiring is Selena Gomez's Look At Me Now. Because <laughs> 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 she's talking about, you know, how she, she changes after this and like, oh, look at her now. She's so cool. And so I was like, yeah, that's going to be me. Um, and yeah, I think I, I listened to a lot of female artists at the time and mm -hmm. Taylor Swift too. At that time, she came out with Folklore and Everlore. And those were kind of my fantasy characters that I grew up with during that time because I didn't have any outside world, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so I, I loved those characters and all of her music. Um, and then going back to like movies and stuff, Legally Blonde, you know, a woman overcoming something. Mm -hmm. um, that was something I watched a lot um, of just like, yeah, you know, whatever life throws at you, you can get through it. And even with, with times now, like I've had other hard times ever since then, like life hasn't been all roses after cancer. Like I lost my dad earlier this year, but when other hard times have come up, I just remind myself, like you've been through other hard times before mm -hmm. and you know, you, you will be okay. Yes, there will be pain, but eventually that will go away. And eventually you'll be okay. Might not be today, might not be tomorrow, but eventually you'll be okay. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's, it's very, very inspiring. I'm, I'm grateful that you've been able to draw inspiration from stuff like that. So that's really encouraging and exciting to hear, Shelly. Uh, James, did you have particular music as well that I guess like would be uplifting, inspiring for you? Uh, oh, man, that's a tough question. I don't know about inspiring per se. Like uh -huh. for me, music, I look for, I look for comfort mm -hmm. in my music. So I would, you know, if I was having down or, you know, I needed some alone time, I listen to music that I was familiar with. Mm -hmm things that I could recite or things that would take me back to a different time. Um, I, honestly, it, it was a lot of cure. <laughs> uh, just, you know, getting that emotional angst out. Um, mm -hmm. But that's probably what I listened to the most, I would say. Yeah, that's one of his favorite bands. And we actually got to see them 
probably two weeks before I started treatment. That was like our last big outing. Oh, um, great. I got him to get to the cure because they hardly ever come to the United States. Yeah. Um, so we got to see them. So that was really cool. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Allison, and I got to see him at the Hollywood Bowl back in 2015. And then right now, I guess they're touring Europe with supposedly mm-hmm. a new album in the works, but we'll see. <laughs> Yeah, we'll we'll see. Yeah, we'll see if they come back. Yeah, we'll see if they come back. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, very cool, very cool. So that's pretty much all the talking points and questions I had for you guys tonight. Was there anything else you wanted to bring up about your experience, or just anything else that you're enjoying about life? Uh, right now, we're just kind of in the middle of it, quite honestly. You know, we're getting mm-hmm. ready for the holidays. Already planning our next trip of where we're gonna go. Yeah. I think we might do Germany. Oh, yeah. that'd be really fun. That yeah. one's maybe next yeah i would say uh germany or london because i love harry potter too so (laughs) i'd love to do like their warner brothers tour and see a lot of the filming locations from harry potter so i grew up Mm -hmm. with that oh yeah and james you served your mission in london right i did serve my mission in london okay very cool so the homecoming for you it would be it'd be my first time back yeah yeah awesome Awesome. Very cool. Very cool. Well, Shelly, James, thank you so much for sharing your, your time with me tonight. This has been really fun for me and I'm, I'm grateful that you're doing much better, Shelly. I'm grateful that you, the two of you are enjoying life together. Uh, and yeah, thank, thank you again for coming on my podcast. I would definitely love to have you guys on again. We could probably do a whole episode just talking about friends or parks and rec. So I think that'd be pretty <laughs> But, the uh, office too. We could the office, office as well. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how I forgot that one, but yeah, the office was another one that for the laughs that got me yeah. through some comedy. Yeah, I can go back and watch any old episode of The Office and just laugh at just yeah. like the, the silly like inane stuff that uh, Michael Scott says. So. <laughs> but uh, okay, well, again, thank you so much, uh, James and Shelley, for joining me tonight on the Cassie for Fun podcast. I both hope you both have a really awesome, happy Thanksgiving and enjoy the holiday season together. Yeah, absolutely. This is a lot of fun. Thank you for having us. Okay, thanks everyone. So you've been listening to the the Casting for Fun podcast. Have a good night. Bye.